You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through a study of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in a series called Better Together. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians. Uh, If you don't, we will have the words on the screen. You can use your smartphone, but we're talking in the next three weeks leading up to Easter about community. That's why that that testimony video is so powerful because it's just, man, what does the church, what is Christians, people that love God in your life, what does that mean to you? And so we're just trying to ask people that. We're trying to share with people uh, what the church means and and how significant that is. And and I thank God that the Bible teaches about real subjects. Uh, It says that not one of us is as good as all of us. And so we're going to take three weeks to just study what does community look like? What does it mean to be a part of the church? and a part of this uh, community. And I don't think I right now have to make a strong case for just the need of community. Uh, with social distancing, with being, we're living through the pandemic this last year, I think people have felt isolated and alone, and it's impacted us all uh, in ways that we want, um, in ways that we don't want. Um, and, you know, it just makes me think of all the people right now that are watching online, and there's much love to you, and it's great seeing you in pockets and here and there, and, and we miss people, and, and it hasn't been the same, and God still tells us that we are to walk in community. You know, one verse that sort of has stuck in my mind this last year is from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the church, and it talks about gathering, and, and it says, and let us Consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are called as a community, as people, to gather, to meet. And as the church gathers and meets, the goal is to glorify God, to give God glory. And we look to his word and he speaks through his word and we praise his name and and we give him our lives and he is worthy of our praise and he does something significant when his people get together and glorify him. And so I hope that your life is one that wants to glorify him and that you want to not only be in tune with the Lord and God, but with other Christians and other people. And God, you know, Jesus said this, you could sum up the law by loving God and loving others. And so what does that look like? Well, we're going to look at the Bible and see about this series called Better Together and how God has called us to live in community. Tonight, we're going to talk about how we're all different. Next week, we'll look at chapter 13 and talk about how, uh, you know, we need love in community. And then lastly, we need to submit an authority to Jesus in our community. And so let's pray and let's get right into God's word. God, we thank you so much that there is a purpose and a plan for our lives. We thank you so much that we are better together, God. And you've brought people together under your kingship, under your lordship, Lord. It was by your blood that you bought and purchased people to be a part of this thing called the church. And so we pray, God, as we enter into a study of your word that you would speak. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to minister to hearts. We need you to speak and uh, speak prophetically, Lord. Give uh, me the words to say. Uh, Help me articulate uh, the eternal truths from your scripture. And I thank you, God, we can come back to scripture over and over again, no matter what is going on in life. We know that you are the foundation, Jesus. And so may you be the foundation of this Bible study. May we see your glory. May we see your beauty. And may we enjoy your presence together as we gather, as we gather under your name, Lord. We want to pursue you, God. We want to proclaim you. We want to give you the glory. So be exalted, Lord. And we thank you so much for this time. Minister as only you can. It's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen. All right, let's get to it. First Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I want to run through the entire chapter. We're going to take a chapter each week. Uh, so there will be a lot I'll go through, but I want you to see how the Bible addresses community biblically and in context. Now, verse 1 through 3, there's Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinth church, and let's just read it and we'll give you context. First it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations say ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed of spiritual gifts. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, it would be good and wise for us to pause and to jump in as we're going into a new book of the Bible. We just finished a 27 series of a longer book of the Bible, Revelation. Now we're in 1 Corinthians, which is a whole different audience, a whole different context, even a new author. And so let me give you a little context. Paul the Apostle planted a church in Corinth. He left, and now this church is wavering and wondering, and they're dealing with all these different topics, such as you in your life. And he's addressing certain things. They're an immature believers. Uh, they're not really planted and matured. And so he's writing them to say, hey, this is what you need to work on. This is th answering this question and answering that question. And hey, you're falling into sin here and there. And one of the big problems was that the church was going through division. Does that sound a little bit familiar? It was divisive. There was disunity. The Lord commands a blessing when there's unity, tells us to walk in unity, but they were not doing that. And so part of the context of this letter is he's addressing a problem. Do you understand that God can address your problems? He can give you counsel, give you wisdom from his word. Now, in the very first chapter, verse 10, uh, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there will be no divisions among you, but you be unified in the same mind and the same judgment. The enemy wants people divided. He wants people going this way and this way, spending more energy, not loving one another, but hating one another. But the God, God comes along and says, but I bring unity. And that's the power of the gospel. God unifies people. He declares blessing over people. And he's big enough to make us all understand our differences. And he's the big common denominator of our lives. And so when Christians get together, it's not on a common interest. It's on a, a common God. It's on common grace of who he is. And we're all equal at who God is and what he does in our lives. Because we're all sinners. The church is just a group of sinners saved by grace. And when we experience God's grace in our lives, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white, uh, this ethnicity or that ethnicity or from that nation, God is big enough for all of us to come together and to worship him and to glorify him. And so what Paul is trying to say is you not to be divided, but you need to be united in Christ. You need to walk in love. And because you're not walking in love, there's a lot of problems. You're not walking out the fulfilling and the call that God has in your life. And so he says now concerning spiritual gifts. And so if that's like a transitional statement, or if you say, if you see in the Bible, therefore, it's like, well, why is it therefore? He's, he's bringing up this topic, and, and we just read chapter 1, and we're in chapter 12 tonight. So let me just give you some summary of each chapter of what he's leaning into from this book and the issues that happen when you do not walk in love. Chapter 1, he says, Christ is the wisdom and power of God. He wants you to know that God is found in Jesus. The wisdom of the Spirit, chapter 2, 
of God and the importance of preaching Jesus. And he says, listen, you need to understand how big and mighty God is and you need to understand that he is the answer and solution. Not your opinions, not your, not your political parties, but Christ. Chapter 3, he, then he starts digging deep and he says, the divisions in the church need to stop. You shouldn't follow Apollos, Apollos or me, you should follow Jesus. Chapter 4, he says, there's authority of an apostle and there's leadership in the church and you need to submit to leadership and, and walk in love. Chapter 5, he goes, but there's this issue in the church right now of, of sexual immorality and you don't understand that defiles your body and that defiles the church and it's sin. He goes on in chapter 6 and says there's lawsuits in the church and how people should, should flee from that sin. They were holding on to grudges. There was bitterness. They were fighting over money. That never happens in the world today. Chapter 7, there's principles for marriage, for the unmarried, and even for widows. Relational issues. We all got them. And he starts addressing this in, verse, in chapter 8. Then he talks about food offered to idols. Well, what about if this person has this cultural background and that person has that cultural background? How do they interact and, and actually submit to one another in love and, and talking about these things? Chapter 9, he talks about the importance of serving others and giving up your rights to bless people. Chapter 10, he warns against idolatry, worshiping false gods. Chapter 11, we even see the institution of the Lord's Supper and how we shouldn't take it in vain. They were getting drunk off the Lord's Supper and doing things that was not worthy, uh, was not in a worthy manner of the Lord. And, and now he's getting into the body life. He says, now, spiritual gifts. Now, why do I bring that up? It's a little overwhelming, right? All those little topics and sporadic popcorns and ideas. Because did you know that the Bible addresses all of that stuff? The Bible is actually something where we can go to and find issues and topics and counsel on things. That's like Proverbs is a great example. It's a book of wisdom in the Old Testament and it like covers everything. One verse it talks about, I don't know, how, how to love your wife and another verse it talks about uh, how to be fair in your workplace and another verse it talks about your mouth and your heart. Like the Bible covers a lot of issues and I want you to understand when we talk about community and as we jump into the church and this thing of community, this is just one of the subjects the Bible addresses. But it's not every subject the Bible addresses because God wants to rule and reign all of your life. And so don't get so caught up in just one subject, allow the Bible to read you. Go to it and say, okay, Lord, what would you have for me? And so we're going to focus on chapters 12 through 14, which specifically is this issue of body life. It's the church and its spiritual gifts. And it's connecting, not judging one another, not comparing one another, but loving one another, submitting to Jesus. And Paul now is addressing this to the church and telling them to walk in love. And I think so oftentimes when it comes to spiritual gifts, we need to walk in love. We need to walk in clarity. And we need to walk in understanding. But this is not how many people handle things. They just ignore hard issues. You know, in the church, spiritual gifts are one of those things where sometimes people could even fight. Do they exist today? Which gifts are here for today? Which gifts are not? All these different things. But the gifts of the Spirit were not made for disunity. They were actually made to strengthen the church so the church can walk in unity and be strengthened. And so when we handle issues, the Bible says we're to speak to one another in love. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. It's all about Jesus. And if Jesus is the head of your life, the center of it all, preeminent over everything, the way that you view your sexuality through the, through the lens of how do I worship Jesus through this? 
the way that you raise your children, that the way that you find a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or the way that you spend your money should all rule and go under the subject of God is so good, He is so great, He is so amazing. What, what would He say about this? How can I please Him in this area? And we should submit to what he says. And so the first point I want you to understand in verses 1 through 3 is this. Embrace spiritual gifts. Don't ignore them. Embrace them. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed. Don't just ignore them and be ignorant about issues. And we do this with spiritual gifts, but don't you do this with a lot of things that you don't understand? Have you ever just like not wanted to understand something so you just blow it off? You just, okay, just zone out. Listen, we need to understand and study. He says that God is a God that's alive. Jesus died and then rose again. In about three weeks, we're going to celebrate that in Easter. But every day, every part of the gospel living that, you should understand our God speaks. Our God ministers. Our God loves. He cares. He's not like a mute idol that is just some made-up thing that we worship and get no response. No, our God speaks and he gives gifts to men, including his spirit. And so we need to embrace what the Spirit of God looks like in the body of Christ. And so let me just ask you a question as we sort of come and jump into the topic, how we're all different. Do you even know about spiritual gifts? Do you know about the spiritual gifts? Are, are you ready to do an in-depth study? Do you want to learn those things? Now, we're not going to do a, a hours and hours and hours of long study through this thing, but we should be able to embrace spiritual gifts and study it. And just to give you a couple of cross-references, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, these passages talk about the spiritual gifts that God has given to men. And here is what you need to notice as you dive into the spirit, the, this series. Spiritual gifts are to be embraced, not ignored. The, the spiritual gifts in the body of Jesus Christ is actually good news for you. It's good news so you understand who God is. You realize that when Jesus died for sin, he went down into Hades and preached the gospel and set the captives free and gave gifts to men as spoil, as victory, letting people know he was alive. Ephesians 4, 8, it tells us that. Part of having spiritual gifts is a sign that Jesus is king, that he is alive, that he is not a dead idol that will disappoint, but he is alive, active, and he wants to free you from your sin and empower you to do his will. And so if you want to be empowered to do his will, you need to surrender to him. And spiritual gifts are the manifestation from the spirit that he is alive that he has blessed us with his spirit, that he, that he actually speaks and he serves us and he loves us and he's with us. And so God is with us. Paul is saying, don't be ignorant of this. We should be aware in our life how God works and we should be aware how God works in the church. And so in verses four through seven, he says a little bit deeper of what these gifts are. He says, okay, don't be unconcerned, verse one, but now he says in verse four, now there are varieties of gifts. So there are many spirit, many types of gifts, but the same spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, one person who gives all these things, but there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Paul goes on and says there are a variety of gifts services, ability, capacity, but it's all the same God. Meaning there are different people with different gifts and capacities, and that's okay. 
That's actually the beauty of the church of the body of Christ. That, that there are different people that are saved by God's grace and God brings us together. Now, manifestation, the definition of that, is the action or a fact of showing abstract idea. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that, it's an action or a fact that shows an abstract idea. And God has given gifts to men so they would actually walk in His Spirit so that other people can see God. He would actually make Himself known through the gifts and through your life. It's amazing that we can express the love of God in our lives and follow Him. And you know, Peter says, whatever spiritual gift you've been given, use that for God's glory. It's not like this gift or that gift. It's whatever God has given you, use that for God's glory. In fact, Peter, in Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, it says this. As each has received a gift, a spiritual gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's variety grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever. Amen. Do you realize that if you're a believer, God has given you a spiritual gift and he wants to use that for his glory and he gives that gift to you not because you're so amazing and you're so awesome and you have to give penance and do all this different stuff. Ephesians 4, 7 says, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. God gave the gift to you by grace. And you are now to use that grace, the life that he's given you and the gifts that he's given you and the talents and everything that you have for his glory. And so you not only need to just be asking, what are the spiritual gifts? But what are my spiritual gifts? Well, how has God blessed me? How am I different than other people? What are some things and what does God's variety of grace look like in my life? And how can I use that for his glory? And we need to express them, Paul's saying, in our gatherings, in the church, and use them to build one another up. Paul is saying we do this together in community and we manifest the Lord in a great way when we gather together under his name and express these gifts. And Jesus would pray for the church, that we would walk in unity, that we would walk in love. You remember right before he went to the cross, he would pray to the Father in John chapter 17. He would say, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one. That they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be, uh, also be one that they may be in us so that the word, the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, it's a powerful thing when people walk in unity. It's amazing what happens when people walk in unity. And especially when they use their gifts to serve the Lord, to build one another up, to serve and love one another. It's a great witness to our world. Think about it. What has God given you? How can you serve people? What if, what if you all walked in the same direction in these type of different things? But it's not just about you. God has given you, God has given people gifts, not just for you. You should be asking, how do I use this for the common good? How do I use this to serve and love people? Because we're to use our gifts, our talents, our lives to love God and love others. And so I wrote this down. Spiritual gifts are for the common good, not just for yourself. Because so many people get so preoccupied about, well, what is my gift? I need to go to the test. And, and what about this? And what about this? God says he gives gifts liberally. 
He manifests himself differently all the time. Just boom, boom, boom. Why? For the common good. If you look at verse 7, each is given the manifestation of the gift of the spirit for the common good. You know, I think that's true maturity when you realize it's just not about me anymore. When you actually walk in newness of life and walk in the words of Jesus, it's better to give than to receive. So I have a, a teaching gift. And so my gift is not so I can just have a platform and perform, but so I can actually explain something to people about the Lord and they can be glorified. And oftentimes when we think about gifts and talk about gifts, we so often just think about ourselves. We just can't help it. This is why Paul said, hey, as much as you think about yourselves, think about other people. Serve other people. Care for other people. Love other people. We need to be walking in unity and thinking about other people, giving up ourselves. And so God gives spiritual gifts by his grace for the body to function and to build one another up because it's not just about you, it's about us. It's the church, it's the gathering, it's people, it's a community. Example of this would be like in Ephesians 4 when it talks about uh, leaders of the church and how they are a gift to the church. The, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers, pastors, these offices are here to serve the body. And when they serve other people and, and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, it actually benefits the whole body. That's a picture of spiritual gifts. When God's given you a gift, it's actually not just for you. It's for others as well because he connects us together. We're all different, but we're connected in the Lord and we're connected through his spirit. This is why Peter says, so whatever gift you have, we'll use it for God's glory. Use it to bless and serve other people and love people. And so it's just not about you. It's about God and bringing him glory. And now Paul goes on and starts explaining what some of these gifts are. In verses eight through 10, he says this, for to one, is given through the Spirit utterance of wisdom. Now notice, he doesn't say to all. He says one person has this gift, another person has that gift, one person has this gift. So everyone doesn't have all of these gifts, but one person could have the utterance of wisdom, another the utterance of knowledge, another the utterance of the Spirit, another the, the same of, of faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit to another the workings of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another uh, varieties, kinds, various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, let me break this down because it's a long list. There's about nine categories here, but they sort of can break down into three categories. Uh, I like what this breakdown is. It's by a guy named Glenn Schaefer. We take people through Discipleship 101, 201. Many people are, are going through that. And he has a section in his book that sort of breaks this section down. It's three categories. There's the gifts of revelation. There's the gifts of power. And then there's the gift of utterance. The gift of revelation, the gifts of power, and the gifts of utterance. Let me just go and walk you through these things. Because it's really cool to see God work and manifest himself in these things through his people. First off, the gift of revelation. In this category, Paul says there's this utterance of wisdom, or New King James may say the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning spirits. These are spiritual gifts from the Lord. 
Let's start with the words, the word of wisdom, our utterance of wisdom. This is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that allows a person to receive the mind of God on what and how something is to take place. You know, wisdom, it means it's the ability to use knowledge and know how to do it. It's the application of knowledge. You know a lot of people that know a lot of stuff, but they're stupid, aren't they? Right? They're fools. They, they don't actually apply what they know. But true wisdom and godly wisdom is they, they get information and then they apply it. It doesn't do you no good if you just have knowledge. The Bible says we're to walk in wisdom. And this is a supernatural gift that allows a person to receive the mind of God on not only what is, but how to do something. These are the people that you need to get advice from that, that are gifted in this. And God gives this gift to people like he did in the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27 when the boat was going down. He told the people, I have a word from the Lord. We need to get rid of our weight. We're all going to survive. We're going to go to the island and pass out and do this. He was uh, using the knowledge that he had and received from the Lord. He said, God gave me this and here's what we're going to do. And he had a word of wisdom. Next, it's this gift of revelation, the word of knowledge. This is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that gives a, fragrant, uh, a fragment of the divine knowledge that is presently taking place or what has happened. It's information that you would not know but through the Spirit of God about something or someone. It's knowledge that just you receive. Maybe you don't know that person and God just gives you information about that person. We see this happen in the book of Acts as well, Acts chapter 5. Remember when Peter, uh, Ananias, and Sapphira came to him and lied to him, and he said, why do you lie against the Holy Spirit? And they dropped down just dead because they were lying, and he just got a word of knowledge about the situation that no one told him beside the Spirit of God. Do you know the Spirit of God can give you information that no one can tell you about a person or a situation? It's called the word of knowledge, and it's a gift of revelation. Lastly, we see this discerning of spirits. This is the ability of God to distinguish by the Spirit in action or a manifestation is occurring. Uh, it's often called the gift of discernment. Uh, it's, it's more than just testing of the spirits, like 1 John says. 1 John says we're to test all spirits by the Word of God, and yes, we're to do that. But this is, this is let me try to explain it. This is to actually discern with spiritual knowledge a motivation or insight, or we may call it a red flag. You ever had those red flags? If you've dated, guys, you've had red flags before, okay? Or girls, you, you go, go out on the date and you're like, ooh, there's something just, we ain't clicking, it's just not a, uh, mm. that's a red flag. This is on steroids, this is by the Spirit of God, this is something supernatural and a discernment of wisdom. This is, I see the motivation, I have a red flag, there's a check and you have no idea why. Let me give you an example. Almost every year, we as a church support missionaries. 10% uh, of all of our tithes and offerings at least go to other missionaries. We support an orphanage. We support a church planner in, in Spain. We um, give out a lot of our funds to further the gospel. And every year we uh, go usually to the House of Blessing Orphanage where we support. Been supporting them for the last seven years, since the beginning of our church. And we had had a team get about 10 people uh, come up. Jason Sanchez came, I think, in uh, October, November. He usually comes in that time. And then we plan a trip for February or March. And so we had planned a trip to go down to Mexico. March had a great team. It was going to be amazing. Robin, Pastor Robin was going to go for the first time. It was awesome. And then all of a sudden, Laura was just like, we shouldn't go. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? We shouldn't go. We, we all should. This, this is a, 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 we're visiting an orphanage. Doesn't God want us to do that? Are you kidding me? She said, no, no, I just got, I just, she's, like she often does, she has this gift of discernment, and she just said, we shouldn't go. Well, come to find out, there was a thing called COVID-19. And do you remember last year when we, uh, the world was shutting down? That was the exact week we were supposed to be in Mexico on that trip. But because God gave that gift to someone in our body, and we discerned that, we said, okay, we don't really know why we're not going to go, but we're going to trust the Lord, and he gives and works this way. And so we didn't go on that trip. And we weren't stuck in Mexico during a pandemic. God gives these gifts to bless and encourage the body. And it didn't really make sense because it was a supernatural red flag. And these manifestations, these gifts of the Spirit, they come through visions, they come through dreams, they come through prophecy, they come through speaking of tongues, interpretation, they come by the speaking of the Holy Spirit to your heart, just an improv, soft, still voice. But they come not only for yourself, but the gifts of the body. These is what Paul is talking about. Now next we see this category of gifts of power. Gifts of power, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of faith. He's saying, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. This is a part of the church. Remember, this is a supernatural thing that we come together under Jesus' authority, the gifts of power. The gifts of power working to God. Uh, it refers to God uh, working in believers to do miraculous things as Jesus did here on this earth. And so when you look at the gift of healing, it's the manifestation of God's power to heal. This is a real thing. This is uh, the best scene that we see this is in Jesus' life is when he came on earth, he was healing people left and right. All kinds of ailments, all kinds of disease. We even see not only Jesus heal people, but his disciples heal people. Like in the beginning of Acts, John and Peter, hey, I don't have any money, but this I have in Jesus' name, rise and walk. And people rise and walk. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're cynical because you're like me. It's okay. If you have the gift of healing, why don't you just go to the hospital and heal everyone? Right? I, people have really asked me that. And it's a legit question. But here's the thing. When it comes to the spiritual gifts, you don't just pick and choose when this happens. God, it says, gives these gifts liberally, and it's his time and activity and place. And so he actually tells us as believers to pray for people. But he doesn't heal everyone. But he does heal some. You may say, why? I don't know. I know that he's going to give complete healing when we're all in heaven and we get a glorified body. But he does those things usually to bring him glory. And you see when there's a healing, the opportunity of the gospel go forth and God receive the glory. And so we've had times where we lay hands on people with, with oil as elders and they have been received healing. And one week they have cancer, the next week we don't. And I've prayed with people and laid hands on people and they've passed away and been with the Lord. And that's not to say that this gift isn't real, but that's to say that God works this thing in his own ways. And it's hard to embrace that and to understand, but these things are to bring him glory, not just for us to do whatever we want. You see, Paul says there's gifts of healing, but they're also gift of miracles. Miracles are the manifestation of God's power to alter natural laws, natural laws and operations. Our God is a God that works miracles. If you are a Christian, you believe in miracles. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life you couldn't live, died, and on the cross received all of your judgment, penalty, and payment for sin. Three days later, he rose again. We believe in a God of miracles. 
And God still works today and miraculously saving people, snatching people that should be going to hell into life, from darkness into light. And God does a miraculous thing, changing hearts and does supernatural things as a part of how he moves and works and receives glory. Salvations are the best miracle. They're the greatest miracle. And so, yes, as Christians, you should believe in miracles and you can pray for miracles. And God answers our prayers and does miracles. And he often gives this gift and we're blown away and he receives many much glory. The other gift of power is the gift of faith. Now, this is a special faith received at the moment or duration of a particular need. This would be a burst of faith to do something mighty for God. This would be something where he just gives you an amazing amount of uh, faith to trust him to do something incredible. I don't know, like move across the country to start a church. Or I remember one time when Jason Sanchez was here, uh, he was in need of a computer and I just had this gift of faith and I said, we're going to take an offering and on Sunday, God's going to give you a computer. And he, I just, God just gave me that, that faith. I just knew it was going to happen. And that Sunday, I just, hey, there's a need. Uh, we have a missionary here. He needs a computer. So we're just going to take up an offering. If anyone wants to give, you can give. If you don't, no pressure, whatever. And by the end of the day, uh, we had our service. We had $2,000 to go buy him a new computer. It's just a gift of faith to trust God that he will do something in that moment. And you have a strong, complete confidence to do so. When God wants to get some stuff done, he gives people gifts of faith and burst of trusting him to do something miraculous. And that's powerful. So we have the gifts of power, the gifts of revelation, and then there's this gifts of utterance. The gift of prophecy, the gift of, gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. These gifts come through speaking and they bring great encouragement, exhortation, and strength to others. The gift of prophecy. It's a word spoken by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to bring an understanding of the will and purpose of God. This is the most explained gift in all of the gifts, most promoted, most mentioned, and we'll speak more about this gift as we talk about the order of gifts in chapter 14. But prophecy is speaking on behalf of God. Many people think prophecy is speaking of the future event, which it is, because our God, like we saying, is Alpha and Omega. He can know the beginning and the end, so oftentimes he speaks through prophets, the heart of himself, and they actually foretelling, but it's simply just speaking on behalf of God and his heart. And the prophecy is supposed to be accepted and it's supposed to be tested in the church. Next we see he mentions the gift of tongues. This is the ability to speak a language by the Holy Spirit, which the speaker has not learned. This is an awesome gift, and we see this happen like in Acts chapter 2. As the church was baptized by the Holy Spirit, he came down and many people received the gift of tongues as well. This gift is probably <coughs> the most controversial gift in whether people accept it or not. I want to let you know we at our church, we do accept the gift of tongues. We believe that you do not have to be baptized or you do not have to speak in tongues to be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. But this is an active gift today. And this is a part of the gifts of utterance, these gifts that would edify. And it's a prayer or prayer language. We'll see in chapter 13 that it is one where it's a language where it could be like Arabic, it could be German. You see all these different countries coming together in Jerusalem and they had all these different languages. And they're like, wait, he's speaking in my language. He's speaking in my language. But it also could be a private prayer language where it's just a heavenly language. 
and your spirit speaks to the Lord and it's something that you just received from the Lord. And then we see another gift, the interpretation of tongues. This is the ability to interpret or give a sense what is delivered from the gift of tongues. And notice how it's the interpretation. It's not a translation, but it's to receive the interpretation of what's been said, the heart of it, to make sense of what's been said. And I love how this gift is so interdependent with the other gift. Oftentimes, if you don't, if someone doesn't speak in tongues, you can't have an interpretation. First, you have to actually hear the language or hear something say, and that gift has to be used. And then someone else with another gift will actually apply their gift. And it's an amazing thing if you've seen someone speak in tongues and then another person interpret. And we've had that here at Redemption Church. I remember Natalia. She's been able to interpret sometimes when other people have spoken in tongues in prayer meetings or when we gather. Uh, and it's a very cool, edifying thing when you receive this gift and you're praying and you have another person uh, in translating those things. And so God gives these supernatural, amazing gifts to individuals as he wills by grace, but they're to bless the body. And Paul says, these are the list. Now look at verse 11. All these are empowered by one, the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Or to say it in another way, Hebrews 2, 4 says this, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and varieties, various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, he distributed them according to his will. God gives these gifts to us and to you as individuals according to his will, his purpose, his plan, by his grace for our good. And the great thing is God sees the big picture. He sees the church, the community. He knows how to empower his people for his plan and his purpose. And he wants to do that not just by one person, but by collectively many people. Because when we manifest these gifts together, there is strength, there is power, and there is edification. And it actually shows a bigger, grander picture of who God is. Because he's empowering us and it embodies something that you can't see. It's an abstract theory. And through the manifestation of gifts, I see a greater picture of God and work, him working in our lives. And so this is why we want to gather. This is why we should want to gather as believers. This is part of it, is using spiritual gifts, is ministering to one another. What I'm doing right now, the gift of teaching, is a spiritual gift. Uh, the gift of service, of setting up, of working behind the scenes. There's many multiple more gifts, like we said in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Peter 4. There are many things, and they're not supposed to cause division. They're supposed to cause actually unity and bring us together. And I, and I want you to make clear, the gospel brings us together, not our good works. The gospel brings us together, not our good works. You know, the things that bring us all together is not what we do and what spiritual gifts we accept or what we do with our gifts. The thing that brings us together is the Spirit of God, not spiritual gifts. The Spirit of God lives inside of us when sin is separated from us and God forgives us and when we become a child of God. When we put our faith in Jesus and believe in the full atonement of the cross, we actually become saved and the Spirit of God lives inside of us and He empowers us and He strengthens us. And this brings us together and this is so freeing because you know how the world works? Their common denominator or interest or parties or what you do. Hey, if you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Or you know what? We can have unity as long as we like this sports team 
Or we can have unity as long as we like this political party. Or we can have this type of unity as long as we're into this sort of thing. But what happens when those things change? Our whole foundation, our relationship, all this stuff changes. But you know, as Christians, our common denominator, our foundation is Jesus, who just never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so it does not matter if you speak in tongues, if you interpret, if you have gift of healing or miracles, or you manifest by just serving behind the scenes, or you're up front. That's not the important thing. The gospel brings us together. The gospel, this good news that, that you don't have to be perfect, that you don't have to prove yourself, that you can just be who you are by the grace of God and God gives gifts liberally by his grace. And so we walk in that and there's freedom in that and there's fellowship in that. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who has made us both one and who has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It's not based on our race, our culture, our style, our social status, anything else besides God. Because when we become a child of God, we are adopted into his family and he has brought us and reconciled us not only to him, but to one another. We're all different, but we're all under the umbrella of Christ. That's how big God is. It's not based off our abilities or gifts. It's based off his grace. And this is why Paul says in verse 12 through 14, for just as the body is one and as many members and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, all who were made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member, but many. Paul's trying to get this across. We are interdependent of one another, not independent of one another. We are interdependent of one another. And he gives this crazy easy illustration for a, like a, a, a second grader to understand. He talks about a body. Verse 15 through 20 says, The foot, if you're a foot, should you say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body? That would not make any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong a part of the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members that's his providence. That's his sovereignty. He arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. He made you individually, uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully made, and he delights in that. Paul's saying, listen, are we all, you know, body, if you were all eyes, where are you going to smell? If you're all noses, where are you going to see? Do you understand that that's actually a good thing to have diversity? Because Christ is the head and we're the body. If all were a single member, in verse 19, he says, where would, be the whole where would the whole body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. We are all different, but we intertwine together. We are not to have a mindset where we are independent of one another as Christians. We are brought into a family of God, and yes, you can be a Christian and not be a part of a church and not be a part of fellowship. But that is not how God wants you to thrive. You will not be as strengthened. You know what that's called? A spiritual orphan. If God adopted into you a family, can an orphan still survive? Yes, but he will not thrive without a family, without support, without encouragement, without love. 
And we're a part of a spiritual family. We've been adopted by God, the gospel says. And God wants his church to be connected and interdependent with one another, living in community. And so, man, that just frees me up. Because if I'm, if I'm an eye, I don't got to be a foot. Or if I'm an arm, I don't got to be a mouth. I could just do me. I could be me, and I can actually do that with all the strength, giving it to God. And now because I'm a part of something, I don't have to carry all the weight. You know, Paul would go on in Ephesians chapter 2. He would say, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are intertwined, interdependent of one another. And having Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior has gotten so popular nowadays in our culture that we have swung the pendulum and have just been like, it's just me and Jesus. Jesus, just me and Jesus. I don't need anyone else. No, you need some people. Every one of you needed your mama and daddy. You just needed them. If not, you wouldn't be born. When your mama throws out like, well, I gave birth to you, she was right. We need to be dependent of one another and we need to grow and have some maturity and humility and say, you know what? I cannot do this all alone. But bro, man, isn't that hard to say? That is incredibly hard to say. But does not God want us to walk in humility so we could find our strength? So many of us as Christians forget that we're walking and we're trying and we're striving and God has made a system and a family and a unit to bless us. And we're just like, nah, I don't need them. Why not? God gave them to the church, to us as a gift. The church, the body of Christ, people are gifts. It's by grace. We cannot be Christians. We can be Christians alone, but we cannot be mature Christians alone. You can't be a mature Christian and make disciples alone. When people aren't connected to the church, it stunts their growth. And when you get disconnected to a church and a church family and people to pour into your life and to know you and to serve you and to love you and for you to love them and use your gifts, and if you get uh, disconnected from the church, it stunts your growth. That's a biblical concept. And the church can't fully function as a body if it has half its members not showing up. You guys all know that. Those especially that are getting older, you start waking up like, oh, man, what part of my body? Why aren't you working properly? What's going on? You know, you realize when some people don't show up in your life, it actually hurts you. And when you don't show up being a part of a church, it hurts others as well. Just your presence. You are the gift. You are a gift from the Lord to the body. And it's important to highlight this, to emphasize this, especially in the American church, being so independent in our culture. You know, I was reading a book um, are listening to a book this uh, last week and finishing it up about church planning and uh, a guy named Clinton Clifford, Cl Clinton Clifton. That's a tongue twister. May God bless him. He's a part of the body. Uh, he says this, American Christians, that would be probably most of you all, even most of you watching online, American Christians often feel no particular identification with the local church or any sense of duty to other Christians in a city or in a church. They don't feel responsible for other people. 
He goes on, they don't even, they don't seem themselves any more connected to the person sitting next to them in church as they do to the person standing behind them in the grocery store line. However, that mentality is not in sync with Scripture. It's not in sync with Scripture's call and command for Christians. The New Testament is packed with instructions for Christians. Listen to this. One another verses. How are you going to apply these things if you're doing life and Christianity alone? John 13 says we're to love one another. Build one another up, Romans 14, 19. Be kind to one another, Ephesians 4, 32. Be at peace with one another, Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Amonish one another, Romans 15, 14. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 2, 6, 2. Comfort one another, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Forgive one another, Ephesians 4, 32. Confess your sins to one another, James 5, 16. Show hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4, 9. Give preference to one another, Romans 12, 10. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns, Ephesians 5, 19. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Hebrews 3, 13. Pray for one another, James 5, 16. Have fellowship with one another, 1 John 1, 7. Spur one another on to love and good, do good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24. Do not speak evil against one another, James 4.11. Do not grumble against one another, James 5.9. Live in harmony with one another, 1 Peter 3.8. Lay down your life for one another, 1 John 3.16-18. Restore one another, Galatians 6, 1-3. Bear with one another, Colossians 3.12-14. Do not lie to one another, Colossians 3.9. Disciple and teach one another, 2 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Please one another, Romans 15.2. Accept one another, Romans 15.7. Suffer with one another, 1 Corinthians 12, 16. Rejoice with one another, Romans 12, 15. Honor one another, Romans 12, 10. You guys get the point. Is there not verses in the Bible that say we need one another and you cannot expressly obey the commands of Christ in these ways? All those verses? By yourself. God has given you people to get on your nerves as a gift. Because we don't get along. You realize that, right? Those, those Christians, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Heck yeah, we are. And we're the first one to say, we need Jesus. We need his grace. God actually places people in your lives that are different. And so you can see the power of God as you walk together, giving him glory and just not yourself. Quit being so selfish. It's not about you. Are you honoring God? Do you want to give God your life? Do you want to please him? Then you need other people to do that. You need to serve. You need to bless. You need to use your gifts. And Paul goes on. It's almost like he's mocking us in the simplicity of this. Because you would think by now people would get this. Oh, the church, they're just out, for, they're just out to do just uh, whatever they want to do, just their own thing, and they're out for money. No, we're not. We're just jacked up people trying to point people to the Lord, and we need one another. Paul goes on and says, verse 21 through 26, and we're finishing up. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. How many people do you know that say in your mind, we don't need the church. I don't need people in my life. I'm going to do my own, do my own strength. On the contrary, parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow great honor and our unpressable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable. Parts do not require, but God 
has, no, uh, has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Verse 25, that, they, uh, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoices together. We are interdependent of one another in the body of Christ, and we need one another. We don't need independence. You may say, well, this seems hard. Yes, it is. Are we not talking about spiritual gifts and our need for God? We need the Spirit of God to love one another. That is a manifestation of God that He is real. When you would have many multiple groups, ethnicities, backgrounds, generations, all these people coming together, why would they do that? Jesus, He's that good. He's the head. They understand that He's the center of their lives. And God's love is able to be poured out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts to love. And when we do that, God commands a blessing and unity. And so here's an important reminder as Paul closes out this chapter, speaking about spiritual gifts and body life and, and walking in unity. He says, unity does not mean uniformity. We're to be together, but we're individuals. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. What do I mean by that? Well, he acknowledges that we're all different. We don't have all the same gifts, and God is big enough to bring us together. Verse 27 through 31, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are all prophets? Nope. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No, 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 no. We are all different, but we come together in strength. And so he says, but desire the higher things, and I will show you still more in excellent way. God clearly tells us that we are different people, individuals, but yet collectively a part of the body that we have different roles, offices, responsibilities, styles, ages, opinions, but in Him, we can be one. Haven't you seen that as conflict has risen up this last year? How people are trying to fight for unity and strive for it, but did you know in Christ, you can have it. In the church, we can have it because it's not about our rights. We die to our rights. We've been bought with the price. It's about Jesus. And as we elevate him, he is such a good Lord. He is not like a dead mute idol as he starts the chapter. He speaks and manifests himself and serves the body and ministers through one another as we just follow him and give him glory. Not everyone is the same and that's okay because that actually brings glory to God. And so we'll see next week in chapter 13, Paul says, there's more an excellent way than just what to do. It's how you do it. And he talks about love. And he talks about how Jesus is the head and the importance of love in the body and how we're to walk in love. But as we close, let's focus on love because that is the answer. If we want to walk in unity, we need to first receive the love of God. You know, Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, he who has been forgiven much will love much. And if we want to manifest God's love and the fruit of the Spirit to people, we need to abide in Christ to bear fruit. We need to come to the cross again. And did you know Jesus said, when you gather as an assembly, as in church, as a body, remember my grace that I've given to you. 
Remember that I died for your sin. I rose again. I'm coming again. The greatest spiritual gift that God could have given us was himself. And he did that on the cross. For he died for our sins. And not just the sins of you and I, but the whole world, the Bible says. He was the propitiation for all. And so when we receive the love of God, it actually comes into our life and we're able to overflow and love other people. And this is what Paul is starting to say when he talks about community. Don't strive in your own strength. Love God and allow him to work in your heart so much so that you are able to love other people. So when you gather, just remember grace. Remember, remember that there are people that are different than you, that think different than you, that, that will hurt you, that are hypocrites, that are imperfect. But remember that you're one of them. And through it all, God loves us all. Because we're all equal at the cross. Jesus died for us all. And so we need to remember that. Not putting one another down like, I'm better than you because I did this. No, no, we all have different gifts, different abilities, varieties of grace. We're just all trying to go to Jesus and glorify him. It's a big, ugly, glorified mess because God restores and renews sinners and broken people like you and me. And he starts with our hearts and it flows from the inside out. And so as we close, let's partake in communion because we get to do this together. You may have a messed up week, a jacked up week. Man, that's okay. You can go to God and have your sins forgiven. And even if you don't know the Lord, you could become saved right now because it's by grace we have been saved. And so we're going to sing about this love. We're going to receive and partake in communion. We'll sing one song. And as we do, we have the elements uh, on the aisles there in the back table. You just feel free to grab the juice and the bread. There's a cup and a cracker that represents God's body broken and beaten for us and his blood shed. And we want to take time to remember, man, God loves us so much, even in our imperfection. Maybe... Maybe just maybe that that love can touch our heart so much where we can love other people. And God gives us a promise that it will. And so let's remember, let's reflect, and let's celebrate communion and partake that our God has brought us together by his grace and his mercy. So Jesus, we thank you so much that we can study your word. We know, Lord, as we look to your word, it's a longer passage. It's one that identifies that we are so different from one another but yet we are so same, the same. I pray, Lord, for Redemption Church that you would strengthen us to bond, to be at peace in the bond and unity of Christ. That we would not put one another down, but we would build one another up using the gifts that you've given us to serve, using our time, our talent, our treasures. Lord, we all have different capacities, different gifts, but you're a God that speaks and makes, us known, makes known to us. And so I pray, Lord, for those that are listening in the room and watching and online right now, that you would continue to make known your beautiful spirit to them. And that you would say, Lord, if there's anyone watching that does not know you, God, I pray that they would repent and turn to you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And so, Lord, we come confessing with our mouth that we need you. We believe in our heart that you died and rose again and we're going to partake in communion remembering that. And so, Lord, help us to close out our service looking to you, thanking you, rejoicing in you. For you are a great and mighty God. We continue to give you praise and glory and exalt you. Bless your name, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. 
so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.